0: Live from the Network Operations Center of Qyb Radio Network, welcome to Tech Talk, the show where we turn geeks speak into everyday language. Have a question? Call us. Our number is 443-836-0171. Now, without further translation, here is your host of Tech Talk, Chief Linguist, Joel Mahalik. Hello, 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 welcome to Tech Talk Live, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for stopping by, how lovely to see you, my friends, appreciate you coming out and listening on this Wednesday night, and we got a good show, we got a, where's my proper, where's my proper speakability, (laughs) I'm just making up words. We have got a wonderful show for you tonight on Tech Talk Live. A wonderful show by my standards. And it could be that I'm such a geek that I just feel like it's it, it's a great show. Hopefully you will too. And uh, here with me as always, Chief Note-Taker. Uh, please welcome my good friend Ron. Ron, hello. Hello, Joel. Welcome to Tech Talk Live, Ron. Thank you so much. It's nice to be welcome somewhere. It's nice. Well, yes, you are always welcome here. This show (laughs) is made completely possible by the executive producer and engineer who sits behind that window from Reality One Radio, Mr. Tony Richards. We always like to recognize him. Now, if you have a question or comment in regards to technology, we are here for you. From 8 to 9. You can give us a call at 443-836-0171. That's 443-836-0171. Of course, you can email us at techtalk at Also, find us on Facebook. Uh, just look for Tech Talk Live. And you can join the show by conversation there as well. Because, you know, Facebook, big chat thing. So, You can post there if you have a question. We'll get to it as we're keeping an eye on that page. So, some various ways you can get a hold of us here at Tech Talk Live. Of course, QYBRadioNetwork.com. I have to mention, that is the place to go. So, we got some great things tonight. Uh, First, we're going to start off with a a scam alert. Uh, Thanks to our good friend, Ron. So, we'll talk about that here in just a moment. And then, uh, we're going to get into... Do, 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 do. I had it. I had it. Where is it? I had it. (laughs) Oh, I know what it was. It's written right here. We're going to update you, as I promised, on the Tech Talk Live Facebook page. We're going to update you on Windows 10. Oh, cool. And then what's new there? Because uh, things are rapidly changing as we are closing into the official release date, which I don't think we have a date yet, but it's supposed to be mid to late summer. It was supposed to be June, but I think they pushed it a little bit, and we'll tell you why. We'll tell you what's going on in, inside that, and then I got a really great D Geek segment tonight. That I'm really excited about. I think I'm mostly excited about that or, <laughs> for anything else here tonight on the show. Uh, a really good uh, D Geek segment, and uh, I, I, you know, I, I like to give out kudos. Like Ron, you brought the scam alert. Uh, I, I actually was looking for uh, a topic to D Geek. And I asked my uh, oldest daughter, uh, I said, you know, is there anything about technology that you wish you understood more? And she gave me the idea, and I took it and ran with it. And it so uh, thanks to my daughter Renee, it, because it's a great, great segment for Geek, and we'll do that later on uh, during uh, – it will probably occupy a good part of the second half of the show. And, of course, if you have any questions, comments, Four four three eight three six zero one seven one so on with the geekiness and the fun but of course uh again as i said thanks to ron we have a better business bureau scam alert uh and it's in reference to sweeps uh, sweepstakes now here's something that we've told you about all different kinds of scams you know uh, irs scams tis the season uh postal scams delivery scams fax scams and now, this is one that, uh, and I'm glad that Ron brought this to my attention because this is a, a particular scam that is as big as any of the other ones, and we failed to mention the good old sweepstakes. Uh, these cons uh, has like a real life twist. This is really serious because, you know, that, that there's a lot of sweepstakes out there, okay, so, and when you think of sweepstakes, you're thinking about prizes, you're thinking about things like lottery. I mean, real life things are happening. And that's what I mean, just as real as an IRS scam. We all deal with the IRS. We all interact with different postal carriers, different parcel carriers. So the sweepstakes is a very real possibility. And because it is, it has such real life, uh, uh feel to it it's why it's a great target for scammers so uh going over this how does this scam work well you'll get an email that appears to come from a man in this case a man named Harold Diamond now mr. Diamond is a retired principal who won the largest mega millions jackpot in the New York lottery history this past winter. The email goes on to say that Mr. Diamond has given away part of his fortune to five randomly selected people. Aren't you so lucky that you got this email? Can't you feel it? Don't you smell the money already piling up in your hands? Uh, <laughs> so you've been chosen to receive a million dollars. Now to collect a fortune, you have to email Diamond's lawyer and mention a verification code number, and the code will prove that you are official, and the lawyer will have future uh, further instructions. So do not do this, okay, because these types of scans draw on current events, okay? We're giving you this name Diamond, but next month or the month after, basically, they can just pull another name randomly from another state's lottery system, Mm -hmm. and that's another way it twists in that real life. And when you think about it, when you get right down to the brass tacks of this, to its core, That's pretty sick. And uh, so continuing. Uh, If you contact the lawyer, he will ask for money under the guise of paying taxes and other fees for you to get the million dollars. And no matter how much you send, they're going to want more for other fees and things that come up. Okay? So, and it can work different ways. And, you know, another familiar to this would be you see a lot on Facebook, uh, you know, where if you – I've seen them, so I'm trying to – I want to be as close to – you know, honest about it as I can. I've seen them where they say, you know, uh, share my lottery ticket, and if I win, I'll give you – you know, who in the right mind, Ron – especially somebody that just that crawls around Facebook is going to just give away a million dollars if you share this picture, like and share this picture of my lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. Because if you ask me, you're sort of a simpleton if you post a picture of your lottery ticket. Because in today's day and age, high-tech printers, high-tech technology, if you think somebody can't take that information and duplicate a ticket, and beat you to the local lottery office if it wins? Huh. So, there you I'm going to give you a tip. Just regarding that, I'm going to give you a tip. When you buy a lottery ticket, and believe me, I don't do this all the time. First of all, I don't buy lottery tickets a lot. I wish I did. I wish I had the money to buy lottery tickets every week. But when you buy lottery tickets, the first thing you really should do, on the back, you can put your name I, with, with a Sharpie you you write your full name. That's what I would do. That's a nice tip. Well, I, I like giving out tips. I like giving <laughs> out free advice and free tips. Uh, and here's some tips to protect yourself from a sweepstakes scam. Okay, now first of all, as I said, these things are very common. They're as common as any other scam, and we've shared tips on what you need to know to defend yourself and other ones. So here you go. Do not pay to claim your prize. You should never have to pay money or buy anything if you've won money. Okay? And especially, we talked about some of the ransomware scams where they want you to pay ransom if they infect your computer and they will de- they they will decrypt your files for you after you pay ransom and what they want is they want bitcoin or prepaid debit cards, it, untraceable money. So never that if, if something like this happens, that's the, that's the point where you halt, ignore, move on, turn them in, turn all your emails into somebody of authority. Uh, another tip, you can't win a contest that you did not enter. Okay? You need to buy a ticket or you need to complete some sort of application to participate in a contest or a lottery. So be careful if you've been selected at random for something that you've never heard of, entered, but see, there's that small percentage again. We brought this up with other scams, Ron. There's that small percentage that they count on will fall for this. Mm-hmm. Verify, but not only using a source scammers give you. In other words, if they say, well, here's our website, check it out. Don't check their website out, okay? Don't call the number in the email. So you want uh, you want to check and see if the offer is real, but not using resources they give you. And uh, finally, big tip here, the only legal lotteries in the United States are the official state-run lotteries. Foreign lotteries are illegal. Uh, I know I've seen them. You might see cruising through your spam folder or mail, you know, uh, British lotteries, you know, you've won. You've won lotteries in countries you never heard of. It's not even legal here. So, if you want to learn more about scams, uh, sweepstakes scams, okay, you can go to the Better Business Bureau's Consumer News and Opinion blog, and we will post that link. And you can find out about these scams, other scams, and you can check out the BBB, BBB Scam Stopper at BBB.org/scam. We'll post that as well. Two links for you: the Consumer News and Opinion blog and their BBB scam stopper. So, uh, again, a thanks to Ron for bringing this sweepstakes scam to our attention this week. He turned it in like we turn in our segments for him. hmm da dot dot da, 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 da From chat, if I get an email, should I click the link at the bottom that says remove me? Absolutely. There's typically nothing wrong with that. Now, if this is some sort of email that you look at and you... Can identify it as a possible scam? Probably not. But I don't think, and I see a lot of scam emails. I get a lot of scam emails sent to me at work, and they go, Is this scam? I suspect this is scam. Can you verify? I don't usually see that type of remove me, unsubscribe, things like that, on scam emails, like we discuss scam. But you'll see that on almost any piece of junk mail and a lot of times you don't realize there's this thing called a click wrap agreement and it's (laughs) it's interesting who here by show of hands and everyone's going to raise their hand and everyone out there listening will raise their hand and i hope you do it from wherever you're sitting i hope you raise your hand i hope you're Listen in at home and raise your hand and everyone says, what what, what are you doing over there? By a show of hands, okay, how many people are on a website, fill out a form, sign up for something, and then you have the terms, you have to agree to the terms? Who does not read the terms? (laughs) Probably everybody here. That, my friends, is called a click wrap agreement. Click wrap agreement. And basically what it means is, is you're agreeing to what is said in these terms. And uh, years ago, there was a lawsuit against America Online, AOL, commonly known as AOL. And a guy was disputing something about his account and... The click wrap agreement came up, that was AOL's defense, and I guess that the man's lawyer or did not think that that was really going to hold water, but it did. He clicked agree, he agreed to the terms, whether he read them, did not read them, understood them, did not understand them. He clicked, I agree. So the reason I'm saying this, and there's a part two to the chat question too, but the reason I'm telling you this is the click wrap agreement is very legal as far as them, if you agree to those terms, you agree to those terms. 9.9 times out of 10 included in those terms will be some sort of verbiage that states that you're agreeing to sign up to their future mail lists. And that is what causes these kinds of problems. So you have to look at that. Now, sometimes the click wrap agreement will not, and there'll be some check boxes in fine print saying, would you like to sign up for future offers? Would you like to sign up for a newsletter? And if you know, they're checked by default. So if you, like everyone else on the internet, just cruise on by, click, 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 and not check for things like that, then you may have inadvertently agreed to get all this junk mail. It's a marketing thing. That's how they get you. And then, so that's why those kinds of emails have that at the bottom. They have to offer that to you. And you can. And that's the easiest way to unsubscribe. Second part of the question is, will that add me to other lists? The, the short answer is, I don't think so. And that should allude to the possibility that there's a much longer answer there <laughs> that I'm just not going to venture a guess on. Uh, we hope they're honest. Mm-mm. But the one thing you have to... Uh, I, a big question I get about emails and junk mail at work you know people say I don't understand why I get all this junk mail I don't do anything on the internet well in some form or fashion you're interacting with your email address online where everyone's in the cloud somehow you're interacting and you're very naive if you don't believe that email addresses are harvested in so many bad ways off the internet, lists are compiled and lists are sold. And people buy these mailing lists. Trust me, you can go online right now and do a search on companies that sell email lists. Mm-hmm. And you can put in the criteria, well, I'm marketing to what audience? And they will have lists that have been sold, resold, compiled, resold again... And they will sell you these email lists. And that is how you wind up. They're the various ways you wind up with all that junk mail. It's just the way it works. So, that is a quick lesson about ClickWrap. Ron, I, I hope you're taking detailed notes. How did I get here?
1: <laughs> Cause you I, had a question. Do I have to go chat? back to my
0: original thought? What is it? I don't know. Or or am I safely off the original point and, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think so. You're good. <laughs> it was a question in the chat about emails. That's how you originally got on. So There you go. <sighs> ah. Thanks for the question whoever sent it in chat. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm just getting some information that I want to pass on, so I'm going to take a quick second, pull this up. The producer is mind-melding information across my screen. (laughs) Uh, And, okay, so basically how to remove yourself from email and list, which is what we uh, talked about, you know, and as I said, it says, by law, companies have to provide an address and a link to the unsubscribe process for any email marketing material they send. And all of these lists are just that. As I said, they're marketing. Um, now, there's, there are some warning flags to be aware of. That some spammers will disguise these links, which sends the user potential viruses on the web. So, they say alternatively you can check the legitimacy of the unsubscribed links before clicking now you can do that by first of all I think I mentioned before if you hover over a link or hover over an email address then your status bar at the bottom of the page will just it gives you information too if you hover over a link down at the bottom of your browser page, it will show you the web address. So if you hover over a link that says unsubscribe, and then you look down at the bottom, and it says pornhub.com, for instance, huh. then you know the email's not legitimate. So uh, now there is this uh, suppository on the web. We're going to uh, post this great link. It's called justdelete.me. Just delete me. And it is a directory of direct links to delete your account from various web services. So, it, you know, for instance, I'll just pull one right out of the hat here that we might all know. <laughs> change.org. A lot of people know about change.org. It's, I believe it's a suppository on a web for or a repository. Suppository. <laughs> Can you believe I just said that? Well, wow. a repository. <laughs> Uh, for uh, uh, what sort I'm looking for, uh, the assign it petition. I'm, I feel like I'm on a $64,000 uh, pyramid here. And it'll tell you, you know, if it's easy or if it's hard or if it's impossible. And it will give you additional info about doing so if available. So we will definitely put that up. Great link. I've got all these links. It's going to be a big blog tonight. So and there you have it. That should pretty much cover enough information to get you started on maybe cleaning up your mailbox. Excuse me. Now, obviously, if you're using a great service like Gmail, and no, I don't get paid for saying that, but they are a really great service because they have great spam filters. And if you're using a service like that, sure, they catch most of that garbage and they put it in spam for you. So it never even goes to your inbox. And, of course, spam will clean itself out if you never pay attention to it. Trash will clean itself out if you never pay attention to it, you know. But if you want to clean up your mailbox, then you can use this various information that we've provided here and we will provide the additional links and resources on the blog, you can use that as a good starting point to clean up and start unsubscribing from things. Uh, Use the justdelete.me feature website and look up details on some of the things maybe you belong to. And you can clean up that way so you don't even get hampered down with a lot of stuff. Because obviously when you're looking through your mail and you have, say, 25, 30 spams, I mean, aren't Are you not drawn to that folder just to look and see if there's anything in there that's legitimate that you should probably not have in there? I am. I'll go to that folder every day, several times a day, and give it a quick once-over on the uh, subjects. Mm -hmm. And I mean, a couple seconds. If it doesn't catch my eye, I delete the whole, you know, just everything in the trash, everything in the spam folder. So I do have that habit. But if you are inundated, then you could really, and you have some spare time, you could really sit down and really start tackling it and just legitimately removing yourself from a lot of those marketing lists. So, but just keep an eye out for signs of spam, is all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So, uh, Microsoft, so we will have to do Microsoft. After the break, I don't know if you have been watching, but apparently Verizon is going to purchase AOL for $4.4 billion. So what is interesting about this? Why would Verizon want AOL? AOL owns a lot of stuff in and of itself. And Verizon is purchasing AOL because they want to get into those online service share. You know, they want to get into that. And what's interesting is, as a side note to that, is AT&T is trying to buy, I think it's either Dish or DirecTV for the same reason. They want to get their hands on those kinds of resources. Hmm. I mean, Verizon already has online stuff. But DISH, DirecTV, AOL, they have a lot of entertainment value and things going on all over the web. And it will increase, for Verizon, it will increase their presence in the Internet of Things, which we talked about last Wednesday on the program. So, interesting side note there about Verizon. Because, you know, you think that Comcast is going to be the big thing because Comcast is swallowing up a lot of the smaller providers and gaining ground, and it seems in most of the country, the big two are Verizon and Comcast, as it pertains to non-dish. But here you have Verizon, who maybe is going to lose ground that way, will gain substantial ground picking up AOL and all kinds of other Internet of Things possibilities. And also, AOL owns Time Warner. So that means Verizon will, I guess in retrospect, own Time Warner. That's interesting. That's very interesting. So anyway, we are going to take a quick break. Our phone number is 443-836-0171. 43-836-0171. Four four three eight three six zero one seven one. I'm going to check on the mailbox and the Facebook while we're gone at break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Windows 10, and then we are going to de geek something very exciting, or it's just exciting to me. I don't know what which it is, <laughs> but I'm pretty excited about it. And we're going to all do all right. that when we come back. Remember, qybradio network dot That's the place to listen. Listen live, listen afterwards, and get everything you need. Ron and I will be right back with more Tech Talk Live coming up after this. Don't go anywhere. Tech Talk will return after this short break. When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. It's kind of like an elephant is on my chest. I feel like I'm choking. Sometimes my parents have to take me to the hospital. You know how to react to their asthma attacks. Here's how to prevent them. Call 1-866-NO-ATTACKS. Visit www.noattacks.org or call your doctor. Because even one attack is one too many. I feel like a fish with no water. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. Streaming 24 hours, 7 days a week. You're listening to Full Gamut Radio at FGRN.net. Go Caleb! Come on, hit a homer, Jesse! Let's go guys! Hey, did you guys know that kids who play sports earn more money when they grow up? (laughs) Of course. I I knew that. Hey, did you guys know that kids who read books have a bigger vocabulary? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow, jinx. <laughs> did you guys know that friendly children have more friends? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's true. I knew that. Did you guys know that winter babies are better at music? Everyone knows that. <laughs> oh, yeah? yeah? It's pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah so yeah. obvious. Oh, hey, guys. Did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? Huh. I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure I knew that. I'm pretty sure you didn't. Parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. So I use my computer every day. I'm not even sure how i get along without it. But I wasn't prepared for a virus. A Trojan, they called it. One night I'm cruising along, and the next night I can't do anything. I was afraid it was going to cost me a fortune. Boy, was I surprised. They had me back up and running the same day I called them. I really like PC Tech Rescue, and you know what? My wallet likes them too. Are you troubled by computer problems? PC Tech Rescue should be your very next call. Whether the problem is viruses, hardware, software, or any other issue, they can diagnose your problem and have you back up and running fast. With more than 25 years of industry experience, you can be sure you are getting dependable and affordable service. Call today, 484-429-6061, or email us at pctechrescue at gmail.com. Hey, Grandma, turn up your urinate. It's fun, frolic, and mayhem. <laughs> It's the Behind the Mic Show with Joe Mahalik. Be there as he tries to answer some of life's most difficult questions. If you could be any kind of food, what would it be? Well, that's a little too weird. That's Sunday night, 8 p.m. right here on the Behind the Mic Radio Network. Assembly, not required. Welcome back to Tech Talk Live, ladies and gentlemen. QIBradionetwork.com. That's the address, 443-836-0171. That's the phone number. Joel Mahalik, that's me. Ron, that's him. How are we doing? Hello. Ron, you all right? Yeah. All right. So, welcome back to the show. As I said, we're going to talk about... Microsoft. And Microsoft is doing something that I thought Microsoft should have done a long time ago. Approximately like around the time of XP. Windows XP. And... Basically, what we are hearing now... Is that Windows 10... Is going to be the last version... Of Windows. Now that doesn't mean that Windows will be gone in seven years. What it means is, this is going to be the final version they release. Now we've said before that the company has announced that they are standing very strong on Windows 10 being the end-all, answer-all. And so, uh, they must have that much faith... Because now, it was said, according to an officer of the company, that right now we're releasing Windows 10, and because Windows 10 is the last version of Windows, we're all still working on Windows 10. This was Jerry Nixon... Uh, who is what they call a developer evangelist. (laughs) Mm. So one of the things that they are working on is what what they call it. Now, uh, I had posted this on the Delaware Valley Tech Rescue Facebook, commonly known as PC Tech Rescue, that this is something that I had said for years that they should do. Mac and Linux have done this already. They're basically an unchanged framework. And they just constantly improve on it, change, evolve. So Windows 10, the thing about that is one of the things they're working on being a different name other than Windows 10 is because Windows 10 seems to indicate that there's going to be Windows 11. You know, Mac Mac has OX, you know, Tiger OX uh, OSX Leopard. You know, they they have a name associated with the the uh, the evolutionary stage. Here's the major change, and we're calling it. You know, but it's always OS X OSX. Mm-hmm. And so. Now they're saying this will be the last one. Now this comes from a company run by a man named Bill Gates. And, you know, in 1981 he said that no computer will ever need more than 640K worth of RAM to run a program. He said that. Now think about that 640K, because that's going to come in play here in a little bit when we de-geek. But, see, there's your hint. I'm dropping hints. (laughs) So... So I had said that Windows should have done this with Windows XP. This was a very stable system. A lot of people liked it. A lot of people still use it. It still has a hell of a market share. Even though it's not secure, people are still using it. So, and... I don't know. I'm hoping it doesn't back up the release. Like I'm waiting for it, which I'm really not. I will install it into one of my laptops because I like Congress. I have to do things to find out how they work, you know, instead of looking at them from the outside. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't belong here. <laughs> uh, you know, but but the way Apple was done it. You know, since two thousand and one, they introduced the OXX. I mean, an X, of course, is a nomenclature for a ten. And then every time they've done a new self-designated edition, they give it a name, and they follow the feline line of cats. Eventually, they're going to run out of that, I think. But you know, and then what do they do then? <laughs> so. So now, I mean, you know, let's think about it. What could you know? W- what could Microsoft do? Windows 10 Slayer. I don't know. You know, they can come up with you know, they can use city names in one state, town names. You know, take one state and say this will be this will be the representative state of all our future evolutions of Windows 10. But, so we can still look forward to that. And, hopefully, we'll see how it works. Obviously, I will test it. Obviously, I will have clients who will go out and get it right away. Especially since they have announced that the first 12 months after release it will be free to users of Windows 7 and 8. And if there's any hackers and pirates listening to the show tonight... That includes you. Pirated illegal copies of Windows 7, 8, and 8.1 will be eligible for a free upgrade to Windows 10. And that's something the company has never done. They've never given away a version of Windows. Well, they might have given away 3.1, 3.11. I don't remember. Though I do still have my Windows 95 floppies. There you go. All 12 disks. It's hard to get rid of. One day it may be worth six and a half bucks. But anyway. So that is the latest and greatest on Windows 10. As I promised, we will keep you posted of major Windows 10 news. For all those who might be excited. Oh, yeah. My producer says he throws the Windows 95 on CD. I believe I probably do, too. What's funny is he made a mistake and he typed me, I still have the Windows 85 CD, and, and it sounded accurate to me at first, but <laughs> anyway. So, uh, okay, moving on. Now we get to the segment of the show where we de-geek something about technology so you will better understand it. As I indicated, I asked my daughter, what about technology would you like to know, understand better? And she said to me, Dad, a lot of people don't understand the space that's involved in their hard drive. They don't understand about it. And I was like, this is going to be great. Because then I thought, because one of my favorite languages is binary digits. (laughs) So I was like, this is going to be great. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about what is on your hard drive. What does all that mean? What's a bit? What's a byte? What's a megabyte? What's a gigabyte? So I thought, let's talk about that. Let's put that in perspective. Let me put that in perspective for you. Because that's great. First of all, what's a binary number? Okay, it's like a comparison, okay? We have the decimal system in math, okay? And in everyday life, the decimal system has 10 numbers, right? But the binary system has only two numbers. One and zero. That's it. The entire binary language is written in ones and zero. Okay, so when information is stored in memory, it can only record ones and zeros. So every byte that you type is a combination of eight one-and-zeros. Okay, Joel, what does that mean? Well, let me give you a couple examples real quick. If I were to type on a text on Word, okay, a capital A, the computer stores that A as zero one zero 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 zero. Zero one. Okay that's the cap- that's a capital A an asterisk an asterisk an <laughs> asterisk <laughs> I'm having a vocabulary self teaching vocabulary that maybe if I drink some tea Thank you the asterisk symbol is stored on the computer when you hit the asterisk it's stored as zero zero one zero one zero one zero. capital A asterisk one one character to you is eight binary digits of ones and zeros so for example one final example Hillary Clinton is running for president in 2016. I try to follow along. I'm going to try to convey to you in binary her last name, Clinton. 01000011 zero 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 one one zero one 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 and then zero one one zero one 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 zero. That's the name Clinton. Every letter is represented by eight binary numbers. So this is basically a forty two digit binary output stored in memory. For the word Clinton, so now you're, so, so you so hopefully I'm making this as layman as possible. This is exciting to me. I love binary. So one character is eight binary digits. Whether it's a letter, a symbol, one character it equals eight. So now, how does this all add up, Joe? I have a 500 gigabyte hard drive. What does that mean? Okay. So a bit is a single digit, either 1 or 0. And 8 bits, which we said is a character, right? Well, that character, each character is 8 bits and is known as a byte. B-Y-T-E. Not B-I-T-E, your sandwich in half. B-Y-T-E. So a bit is a single digit. And it's either a 1 or a 0. 8 bits is a byte. And it's a combination of those ones and zeros. Eight of them makes up a character. So now 8 bits equals a byte. Now, if you were to take 1,024 bytes, it would equal 1 kilobyte. If you take 1,024 kilobytes, it would equal 1 megabyte. Who remembers when 1 megabyte was a huge amount of RAM on a computer? Who remembers when a 20 megabyte hard drive, and you were like the big kid on the block? 1,024 of those megabytes equals one gigabyte. Hey, Joel, now you're starting to talk language. I understand. I I know what a gigabyte is. I have 500 of them on my hard drive. But you know, it gets bigger than that. Because if you have 1,024 gigabytes, guess what? You have a terabyte. You have a terabyte. Terabyte? Didn't I just hear about terabytes not too long ago? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a lot of storage. I'm going to go over that in a second. But guess what? If you have 1,024 terabytes, you have a petabyte. There's a word you haven't heard. It's a fairly new word. You following along so far, Ron? I am. Are you really? I'm just glad you ended it with bite. That's. I I mean, do do you have a question? Because I'll pause if you have a question about this so far. No, I'm I'm following along, believe it or not. It's. Okay, so let's let's put it in perspective. Let's go back to gigabytes because everybody understands gigabytes. I've got gigabytes of RAM. I've got gigabytes of hard drive storage. Real quick, the difference between RAM, random access memory, and your hard drive, okay, RAM is where your open applications are kind of sitting in RAM. That's where all the work is done. It's it's it swap memory. You open up all these programs, and they come out of their closure place, and they come out on your desktop. You're working on them, and they're basically floating around on your random access memory. The hard drive, those gigabytes or terabytes are for storing your files, storing your programs, storing your pictures. It's storage. It's a vault to hold your files. And those pictures and those letters and those documents and that music, it's all binary digits. It's all Hmm. binary. So let's go. So we're going to go back to gigabytes because, hell, I understand that Joel got a lot of it. Well, let's 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 put in some perspective. One gigabyte would be seven minutes of HD TV video. Okay, so if you like videos, you take home movies, you work on them on a computer. Put this in perspective for me, guy. What can I do with it? Well, imagine seven minutes of HD TV video is what you can hold in a gigabyte. If you had two gigabytes, you can hold 20 yards of books on a shelf. All that text. If you took 20 yards worth of books on a shelf and input all of that text into a computer, it would take up two gigabytes. Now, you have a DVD, a blank DVD, right? you're recording a movie, you're putting storage on there, that DVD-R is 4.7 gigabytes. So that puts gigabytes into a little bit of perspective, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Questions, Ron? (laughs) No, I'm good. You're good? Yeah. Let me quick check and make sure there's no questions on Tech Talk Live. There's no questions there. So we'll move on. So let's talk a little bit about the terabyte. Terabyte is 1,024 gigabytes. Think about that. You can do the math. If you can do seven minutes of HDTV video on a gigabyte, you multiply 7 by 1024 and you can fit that much video on one terabyte Shoot. and now they're selling drives that I think they're selling drives that are somewhere up around well they're selling commercial drives that are probably two to three hundred terabytes and that's a lot of storage that's a lot of storage. So, so if we do the calculations, because we talked about it, I brought it up from bits. If you go backwards, terabyte is ten is one thousand twenty four gigabytes. Okay, well that equals one million forty eight thousand five hundred seventy six megabytes. Oh, but wait, that's a billion seventy three million seven hundred forty one thousand eight hundred twenty four kilobytes. But let's not stop there. That's a trillion ninety nine billion five hundred eleven million six hundred twenty seven thousand seven hundred seventy six bytes. And I won't even give you the bits. It'll blow your mind. So in other words, one terabyte hard drive, which are very popular off the shelf, USB hard drives, okay? Very popular to go in. Okay? They're making my books, one, two, three, four terabytes. And one terabyte has the capacity to hold a trillion bytes, So let's put that in perspective. One terabyte can hold a trillion bytes. Remember the floppy disks? They were only able to hold thousands of bytes. Ooh, thousands. Now we can hold trillions of bytes. (laughs) Just to give you some perspective. Now, so let's talk real quick about that petabyte, which is something new. You're going to start seeing that a lot more. Let's put that in perspective. That's a lot of data. What can I do with it? Well, if you have one petabyte, Ron one petabyte, then you can take 20 million four-drawer filing cabinets full of paper and turn all that text into computer text, and it would be one petabyte. Wow. If you had 1.5 petabytes, you'd be able to hold the size of 10 billion photos on Facebook. If you had 15 petabytes then you'll be able to hold all the internet users data that's backed up on mosey.com so what would you do with 20 petabytes well you could hold the amount of data processed by google.com in one day that is a lot of data yes it is It also tells me that Google's dealing in petabytes quite often. (laughs) (laughs) Let's look at it this way. Our Milky Way, which is home to approximately 200 billion stars, okay? So if every one of those stars was a single byte, and a byte is what? It's eight bits, then we would need 5,000 Milky Way galaxies to store one petabyte of data. How do you like those apples? Mmm. So. Dot, 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 So I, I just wanted to de-geek. What does all this mean? And what can I store on it? You know, and, the, and and this could help people make decisions. If you're buying a new computer and you're doing a lot with movies, home movies, or... You know, uh, whatever you think to yourself. Well, let's see. Let's get Joel's calculations out from the last podcast, and let's figure out how much hard drive space I need. And you know, when when terabytes first came out, and they started making the one and one point five terabyte internal hard drives on laptops, that was that was sort of a very frightening moment for. A lot of us in the technology field, because we, you know, that's a, it's a lot of data. Okay, so that means it's a lot of room on that drive. Of course, compression is, you know, is what gives you that room—the compression of the files. But so it was kind of like, is it doomed to fail more easily? And the other problem is, okay, what if I have somebody who? is storing a lot on that drive and they have a crash, does it make it more difficult for us to get the data off that drive? Because that's uh, that's some scary stuff. But, you know, technology, I think, is handling handling it pretty well. I better wet my, mm, well, very dry and cotton mouth tonight. But uh, it's handling it pretty well. And it's not uncommon now to be able to pick up any PC option that has a terabyte or more on the internal drive. And a lot of people who do a lot of stuff with music and videos, the new thing today we talked about a couple weeks ago, SSD hard drives, the real fast ones, they'll get that as their primary drive, which runs Windows and you know basic applications and whatnot, and then it will have a second drive in the computer that would be like a terabyte... And what have you for the storage and that way you're storing on one drive, but your computer's functioning off of a, you know, a very fast drive, the SSD drive. You can go back in the archives and pick up that show and find out some more about SSD drives. They're awesome. I don't have my first one yet, but they are awesome. So, but that is an explanation of memory sizes. In the D-Geeked world, uh, what's higher than a petabyte? I have no idea. Question in chat here. I'm not sure. I could quick look it up, and maybe I will for the show notes, or maybe I won't. Maybe we save that for another show, and we expand on this subject. Cool. Because obviously, if they have a method now to store the amount of data processed by Google in one day in petabytes, it's not going to be long before they're going to need something higher than a petabyte. So, there's that. Hopefully, that information uh, becomes some value of you. Or maybe it's just, it was nice to be able to pick up that information and and say, well, now I know. And not only that, but now I know what RAM is versus hard drive. Why, why, Why are both of them gigabytes? So, now you know. And they calculate the same way. They calculate the same way. One gigabyte of RAM is 1,024 megabytes of RAM. So, there you have that. Remember, you can always send us your questions to techtalk at qybradionetwork.com. And I can't get into it tonight for some reason. So, if anyone, if there's pending email in there tonight, I'm very sorry. And I will get to it once I crack the secret of getting into the email this week. Tech talk at com, and that is also uh, the website com, where you can listen to our show live on any smart device or computer just by going to the website and you can also come back there and listen to the podcast if you missed it the podcast is immediately posted for you to be able to listen to afterwards show notes contact information all that good stuff located right there you can also search us out on facebook tech talk live that's where you find that so uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show tonight encourage you to uh, send us your questions they will be answered on the air and of course you'll also get an email answering them Ron do you have any quick questions for me that's burning at your brain (laughs) no not tonight tonight not tonight. Okay. Great show. Very good. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was hoping that uh, you know you and others would feel that way. I felt like we had some really good information coming tonight to everybody, and I don't know why, but I was just uber excited about explaining bits and bytes. So you may find some of the blog written in binary tonight. <laughs> huh. You may find it <laughs> written a little bit in binary, and the challenge would be: Can you figure out what I said? Maybe I put a buzzword or something in there. You yeah, know, that'll be interesting. In fact, I'm already thinking of an interesting way to do it. It's going to be—you have to stop by the blog, to find out. It'll be really interesting. <laughs> Pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, but the blog—you can find that there also at qybradionetwork.com. So, uh, Ron, I appreciate you being here uh, with me. No problem. Even if it was sometimes just to agree with me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. And a big thanks to our producer, Mr. Tony Richards, uh, from Reality One Radio. And we thank everybody for listening tonight. We are here Wednesday nights, 8 o'clock Eastern, for Tech Talk Live. And I invite you back next time, so be sure to join us right here on QIB Radio Network. Good night. Happy Computing. have been interfacing with Tech Talk, a weekly presentation of the QYB Radio Network. To contact the show, send us email at Talk at Network.com. See you next week.